Jam Journals is a proud partner of Yesterday's Concert Podcast and member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Welcome concert goers, music fanatics, and soul shots. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this episode of Jam Journals, we open the pages to January 27, 2010. Grab your earplugs as we go to the Lyric Theater in Oxford, Mississippi for Government Mule. Oxford, Mississippi is a college town. It's also unfair to call it a college town. Oxford is your Sunday best. It's also oversized t-shirts, messy hair, and hangovers. Like most southern towns, it's so steeped in tradition that nostalgia is a present tense. What's often viewed as stodgy and old-fashioned in other cities is something celebrated by locals and visitors. Every year, the small town surges on the wallets of more than 20,000 parents when their students brought in by the University of Mississippi invade the tiny middle-of-nowhere oasis. On paper, the convergence seems primed to clash, Yet somehow, the young, generally progressive-minded students fit like the last puzzle piece into the deep-fried antebellum posterity. The heart of Oxford is a place called The Square, aptly named for the literal square that is formed by fancy clothing stores, a world-famous bookstore, my personal favorite record store, and some fine southern cuisine. And naturally, there's an old courthouse at the heart of it that, until recently, flew the state flag bearing the Confederate symbol. But when the sun sets beyond the horizon, the area takes on a new life. The bars and nightlife spill into the streets. Fancy outfits cover charges and a sorority girl puking her guts up on a $300 dress she bought earlier that day. Come on, Mary Lauren. John David is waiting for us at the Sigma Pi. Oh my, oh, oh gosh. Sarah Catherine, hold her hair, hold her hair. Get it up, it's okay baby, get it all up, get it all up. For someone who grew up in the South, Oxford was the perfect place to attend college. All that said, most importantly, the square is also home to the Lyric Theater. During my Ole Miss tenure, specifically the first two years, this was my second home. My small crew of musical misfits spent several nights each week there. This was our Eden. We let our freak flags fly there. Well, at least compared to our collared shirt peers. Our long hair, tie-dye, and hemp necklaces were grounds considered for expulsion. When I started at Ole Miss, Government Mule was one of my favorite bands. This was mostly because of the things guitarist and singer Warren Haynes did to his instrument. His guitar sounded like an extra large pair of cojones kicking down a Marshall stack. His guitar wailed through serious distortion. It was as if a 1958 Gibson Les Paul ripped the dirtiest blues known to man since Robert Johnson traded it all to the devil himself. Not to mention his voice. The man bellowed a deep growl that no person in the right mind should ever question his masculinity. Because Mule was in town, my buddies Mosin, Stu, and I ditched our few student responsibilities to secure a front row spot. So we enjoyed the beautiful, albeit chilly, Oxford afternoon sitting outside the Lyric until they'd let us in. Also, we'd gotten in good with several staffers at the Lyric, so they developed a street team just for us would hang a few posters around campus, and a ticket would be waiting for us at the box office. Bada boom, jam for free. Our waiting paid off. 
We had a front row view of Warren Haynes beating the devil. Yes, Lucifer himself, out of his guitar. I was less than 10 feet away from one of my guitar heroes. I watched Warren's meaty fingers drag that poor guitar through the trenches. It wailed and beckoned like a sweet siren song. Like being in the gym locker room when Hung Johnson emerges from the showers. You had to question your own safety. The music was deep and rich. It was beautiful. And this was our show. We had one of our favorite bands playing at our house party. Heady shows that the lyric typically brought out the heady people. However, the Sunday best crowd was unavoidable. Ween, The Flaming Lips, Up Montreal, Sound Tribe Sector 9. No matter how weird the band got, they were always there. It's not a bad thing that someone wore nice clothes to a show. I hate to stereotype, but more often than not, the Sunday best were the worst offenders at concert paradigms. Bro, what do you think about Mary Lauren? A guy next to me yelled. He wrapped his arm around his buddy's neck and chugged from his light beer. I told Sarah Catherine to meet us back at the house after the show. At most jam shows, the second set is where the real fun happens. The band opens up, lets loose, and leans into the feel. This is typically where the deep and sticky jam happens. It's also probably just coincident that by this point most people are peaking or fully inebriated. All that pre-gaming was for that moment. It's time to remove inhibitions and let the music take you. But for some people, it's when their inhibitors take them. When you're riding rail, you're fairly oblivious to anything happening behind you. You look up, there's the band. You turn around and realize there's a sea of people behind you. Then you look back up and see Warren Haynes pounding out some meaty riffs and you're back in it. Dude, look at Warren's hands, he's absolutely shredding. I told my friends Stu. After being front row in a rowdy bar enough times, you learn to protect your spot. Anytime there's a little shoving and shuffling behind you, I instantly make myself large. I spread my elbows to my neighbors, open up my feet and give that booty a little pronouncement. Give it a song or two and everything goes back to normal. A few songs into the second set, Warren kicked on the wah pedal to add some funk to his double stuffed tone. The band started a fiery blues. Then I felt the shuffling from behind. I assumed it was a drunken Sunday best vying for an up-close view of the oversized cojones ripping up the stage. I made myself large, but the movement didn't subside. In fact, it got more aggressive. Was there a mosh pit at a mule show? Behind me a circle had formed. A guy in a collared shirt and khakis pushed another guy. Get off me dude, what's wrong with you? You need to chill out, he yelled. I assumed they were fighting for Mary Lauren. This isn't a big deal. Don't hit me and we got no problems. Except this was no fight, per se. Peeking around the crowd that now backed up to us, I could see the culprit of the pit. A guy so moved by the music that he ditched his Sunday best, socks and all. He danced in the pit with no inhibitions. Sweat dripped down his hairy chest and onto his value-sized Warren Haynes guitar tone. His dingle-dangle swayed with the beat. He wore the happiest of grins as he danced butt naked on the floor. It must have been his birthday. His glassy eyes told me everything I needed to know, but I wanted to think the best. Did the music move him so fully that he couldn't enjoy it the way we lowly clothed peons did? Or was it Mule's rendition of Inside Outside Woman Blues? For this guy, those clothes held him back. He needed to be swallowed whole by the song in all of its glory. He shook what his mother gave him, and the whole room was witness to her gift to the world. 
He bounced between the pit of people, seemingly unaffected by the jostling. If they didn't shove him, they moved so he bounced off someone else. No one wanted to touch the naked dude, but it didn't bother him. He incorporated the pinball shoves into his moves. Distracted by old bobbin for apples, I was surprised to turn around and see the show was still happening. Deep in a jam, Warren squinted his eyes to see beyond the stage lights into the audience. His gaze searched the crowd for what was stealing their attention. Ever the professional, Warren never stopped shredding, though. But when the guitarist finally saw the free willy spirit, he hit a low note that reminded us who the crowd really hung on. A few weeks prior to the show, I got to interview Warren for the school newspaper. It was a preview piece for the upcoming show, but I would have given anything to trade it for a post-show report right now. Warren, have you ever been so moved by a song that you stripped down naked and danced around the room? No, 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 yeah, yeah, me, me neither, no, no, not me. The crowd had enough. One rather large and muscular fan in particular. He approached the guy from behind and in one swift move captured our sweaty friend in a headlock and dropped him to the ground. Our birthday boy lay on the ground, naked, his back dragging through the sticky spill of drinks. Or at least that's what I hoped the stick was. I could see the fear unraveling in his eyes. His trip was turning on him. He reached his arms to the stage. Warren, help me. Play that sick soul shine to save me. As the man drug him from the crowd like a bloody carcass, everyone cheered to have their dance space back. But I couldn't celebrate. I saw the look in his dilated pupils. Fear had scraped away his carefree smile. Much like his pants, his joy had disappeared without notice. The man just wanted the groove. Now he was handcuffed, face down and anus to the moon. His body was one with the square now. Or maybe a cop car. I tried to resume my interest in the show, but the vibe was lost. I'm not a big fan of male nudity, but this man was experiencing music on another level, one that I had never reached before. Clothes could not contain him. He reverted back to a toddler state where to be alive was to be free and to be free was to be nude. Those clothes blocked his ability to be free in the music. He was breaking free of the chains known as his Sunday best. Live free, little dove. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Jam Journals and reliving one of my favorite concert memories. Have you seen the artist before? How was your experience? Similar? Better? Worse? Let us know on social media, at Yesterday's Concert. We're on all the channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. Give us a shout or shoot us an email at info at Until next time, give us a review on Apple Podcasts and check us out at yesterdaysconcert.com. And don't forget, take care of your shoes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 